Let's go! Good evening and welcome to another episode of Better Than Wine Podcast with Sean and Riley. And I don't know why I always say good evening. It's because it's evening when we do this. It's actually night. Right. What do you define evening as? Evening is like after it starts to get dark out. Yeah, like dusk to Mm -hmm. like after dinner time. Right. Yep. Traditional dinner time. Not our dinner time. Not our dinner time. (laughs) Because that's actually just night. <laughs> Our dinner time varies within like a five hour window. <laughs> that's being conservative, I think, seven, with the window. <laughs> yeah. Seven hours? Yeah, something like that. I was going to say, typically we eat sometime between like six and 11. Okay, that's fair. There yeah, are some that's outliers. True. That's true. But I guess if I'm talking window, I should have widened it to, like, 5 to midnight, 5 to 1 (laughs) a.m. Just depends on the day. We all have things we need to work on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, anyways. There was something else I was going to say, and I can't remember right now. I'm sorry. Um, Happy first Friday of Lent. It's first Friday of Lent. Oh, yeah. Right, right now. now. Not when you're listening. Not when us. you're listening. Happy second Friday of Lent to our <laughs> listeners. Happy third Wednesday. No. Second Wednesday to our patrons. Yep. Yeah, sec- second. It's Ash yeah, Wednesday sec- counts as the second first. Second Wednesday, second Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's how it works. We're so happy that you're joining us. Um... So, we're drinking Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's, yep. I bought two new bottles of wine this week. Did not yep. buy Mountain Dew. I've decided mm. I'm giving up Mountain Dew for Lent. Oh, oh, nice. Good cop out. <laughs> I'll allow it. Thank you. Okay. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate <clears throat> not having to. Yeah. Hear me try Mountain Dew every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we're drinking Dr. Pepper. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Oh, can I tell everyone about my favorite thing that I bought this week? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Ladies, pay attention. Or men with girls i don't know yours were good too actually though uh sorry that's vague my new favorite pair of jeans oh yeah Mm -hmm. my new favorite pair of jeans which i believe were Mm 12.99 they were either 12.99 or 14.99 yeah whatever that's so cheap to be my new favorite pair Mm -hmm. um purchased from costco and guess what? Okay, this is like a universal thing that I feel like women complain about mm-hmm. with jeans and pants in general. Mm-hmm. Women get like one size chart. Women like 0, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, right. it's 14. It's completely arbitrary. Yes, it is arbitrary. It means nothing. Um, but also... 
most of the pants just come in like one length Mm. or it might vary like as you go up in waist size it might get like a little bit longer but not a lot and so what ends up happening is certain brands will be too short or too long depending on the person i very often have to fold my jeans to cuff Mm. them which was in style at one time but isn't anymore uh and then cropped pants were in style and they just fit me normally (laughs) but these jeans have inseams in the sizes so i could buy my waist size and which is still arbitrary it's still two four six eight ten twelve whatever Mm -hmm. um and so on but i could buy an inseam length yeah and the first time I bought pants at Costco was like several months ago. I had no idea what I was doing with inseam length because that's so unusual for women's pants. Meanwhile, it's every pair of men's pants. Yeah, ever. but you didn't know your inseam length either, which is where I'm going with this. I bought pants that were like two inches too short. So nice. Uh, but they kind of look cropped, so I kept them. Mm-hmm. Um. You got some good pants, too. I did. I got some Costco pants. Costco. We both got Costco pants. Yep. All pants were pretty cheap. Yep. And pretty high quality. Yep. And Benny got some Pirate's Duty booty woody. Pirate's Booty. Pirate's... Cheese puffs. What does she call it, though? Pirate's Duty. Pirate's Duty. Yes. (laughs) It's like like a popcorn (laughs) cheese puff. Yeah, like a corn... Puff. Corn cheese puff? Cheese yeah. corn puff. Yeah. That's it. You got it. He... <laughs> ah. Okay. It's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah. Or, like, I can't decide which order the words are supposed to go in. Right. All right. So, do you have anything you want to share from this week? What was your uh, favorite purchase? Um, his pants were pretty good. Yeah. You got, like, what, three pairs? Yeah, a pair of jeans, and then, I don't know what you call it, they're just pants, the other like, two. They're, like, what, is, what are dockers? Say, yeah, I don't want to say, like, khakis. They're not. They're, like, uh, olive. One pair is, uh, like, olive, and one pair is, like, gray. Some slacks. Some no. Like. They're, like, more casual than that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go to Costco, <clears throat> get some pants. They're cheap. You're welcome. Shout out to Costco. Please sponsor us. (laughs) I'd take a Costco sponsorship. Yeah, right? I'd take any sponsorship. Mm. Well, not any. No, yeah. Not any. I have standards. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sean made some popcorn shrimp tonight. Yep. Shrimp also purchased from Costco. It's Friday. So... We had mozzarella sticks and popcorn shrimp. Yep. And. Not a bad deal. No. Uh, we took the kids to Stations of the Cross. Yep. You did. And they, I don't know, I don't want to say they hated it, but they were acting like they hated us. <laughs> so. <laughs> they love Jesus. <laughs> they hate us. No, they. Is that 7 o'clock at night? Yeah. 
which is generally like their wild time. Also, I don't think you saw because I think you're dealing with Bentley, but there was. Uh, did you remember there was a point where Caspian like just started like cackling pretty much? Yes. He what do you, do you know what he was doing? No. He was father was at like the stations, sort of in like the back of the church, uh-huh. and he was standing on the pew, like facing the back. Yeah. And he saw everybody like, um, kneel for like the prayer. like, "Let us pray." Yeah. Everybody kneels, and he just like goes up to the back of the pew and puts his hands together, <laughs> like he's praying. And it's like he like looks at me and he's like, <laughs> 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 so he's so anyways. funny. He is. Oh. He kept, like, doing that when he was standing by me, and Benny kept pushing him. Yeah. And he'd be like, no! And then he would put his hands, like, fold his hands together, and then, like, show her. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yes, thank you. Take a hint. Um, The young, teaching the older. (laughs) But not wiser. Mm. Yes, yes and no. She's not wiser than him. In some ways. In, like, bad ways. She she's is. more experienced. She's more devious. <laughs> she's four. Yes. Anyway, it's going to be a good Lent. I can feel it. I don't know. what a, That's like an oxymoron. A fruitful Lent? Sure. Yeah. A s- suffering Lent? Sure. Go with that. Uh, I think fruitful works. Yeah. Okay. I think it'll be good. Yeah. I feel more prepared to do Lent this year than last year. Good. I never feel prepared for Lent. I hate Lent, which I guess, like, you're not supposed to like it, but (laughs) I hate it. It's the worst. Why? I don't know. Hmm. It's hard to explain. Interesting. Well, should we tell the people what we're doing tonight? Yeah, they probably know. If they clicked on the episode, it'll be titled. Oh. Well, that's less exciting, but we always tell them what we're doing. We do. So, So, and they always click on the episode. Or they don't. Maybe they don't. (laughs) But if they are hearing us, then they have. Yes. Hey, guys. Welcome. All right. Um, So. This week, we will be talking about Ephesians chapter 5, the letter to the Ephesians. St. Paul's letter. St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 5. If you're interested... I did, right before we started recording this, I recorded a Lexio uh, reflection. Reflection? Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't do any reflecting for you. You're supposed to reflect. That's how Lexio works. Right. Um, you're welcome to share with us. We would love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recorded a Lexio, guided Lexio on Ephesians 5, verse is 21 through 33 so if you are unfamiliar or you want to revisit or you're familiar and uh, you just want to listen to the Lexio anyway 
uh, and pray. You can find that on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe since that one is relevant to an episode, a specific episode, we'll make it public. That makes sense. So, um, generally we won't be making the Lexi- guided Lexio public, but since this one is super focused on the episode super focused on the episode the episode is super focused on this scripture right uh we'll make it public for you guys and then you can kind of see some of the stuff that we do uh yeah yeah so Be good. That, those are generally what 15 minutes yeah about that and yeah, yeah it'd be it's and you can always pause it in between readings if right. you want more time to reflect that's true but it definitely would be good to listen to that first before this. Yes. Because then this either might help to um, bring out something from the reading, mm-hmm. or maybe it just like confirms something you already yeah. um, came up with during your reflection. Right. Um, I will read the scripture right now if you are not interested in doing that we'll just have a a little refresher a quick reading it will not be reflective in nature necessarily although i guess you could say this entire podcast episode will likely be somewhat reflective in nature Mm -hmm. um but it won't contain a whole lot of personal reflection Mm -hmm. well maybe it will i'm a very opinionated person (laughs) so without further ado I've said that in the last three podcasts. Yeah. Um, we will read Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. Paul begins, well, he doesn't begin because this is not the beginning of the letter. Right, Paul writes, Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is his, his uh, and is himself its Savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might be that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the church. Because we are members of of his body, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, love his wife as himself, 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know how I love St. Paul? Yeah. <laughs> he is an exceedingly difficult author. Author? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's more on the translator. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I feel like some of the translations get really fancy with their sentence structure. Mm -hmm. And it's... But also, Paul is notorious for lengthy run-on sentences. Yeah. Biblical scholars everywhere agree (laughs) uh, on that one thing. Nine out of ten biblical scholars Mm -hmm. agree. Paul is lengthy. That's the only thing they agree on. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, but some of the, I just want to warn people if they go to the Lexio now, probably should have said this earlier. It's not perfect, but it's real and it's raw. And I really recorded reading it three times. <laughs> so, um, and for some reason I cannot do the part where it says for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior and is himself its savior. That part yeah, trips me up. Yep. So, my apologies. It's all good. Um, but I read Lexio for the kids in youth group and in class. Mm-hmm. And none of them have complained about my inability to get some sentences out. So, yeah. hopefully our listeners don't mind either. Yeah. I'm sure it's all good. So, what you got? Well, what I got is a little bit of what John Paul II brought. Um, All right. That kind of where, when he looks at Ephesians 5, he, I guess like most things, goes back to the beginning, only this time the beginning of the letter. Um, and he talks about how when you look at the context of the letter as a whole, it's sort of, it's more, it's just kind of interesting and kind of ties it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, where at the very beginning, um, he's really just talking about uh, Christ uh, and his love for the church and how you know more sort of about just the body of christ and then that's where he brings all of that in Mm. to chapter five that we just read yeah um kind of putting more uh context to what paul is saying uh, and how he kind of lines that up in the beginning of the the letter uh, before getting to it later and again tying it to uh, marriage and um, I guess kind of being like more specific about you know why or kind of it gives you a clearer picture of why Paul is saying you know um, like the husband is the head of um, like the family or like the you know head over the wife and the wife's body and, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, he quotes Genesis and, you know, says, um, for this reason, the two shall become one flesh, how, uh, 
uh, sort in a similar way, you know, Christ and the church are really one flesh right, in the body of Christ. Yeah. He really does, like, I mean, the entirety of Ephesians is broken down kind of section by section of, like, addressing, like, um... Like, the Gentiles' role in the church, and then people in relation to each other. So, um, unity within the church, the rules. But, uh, he talks about, like, the Christian, the Christian household. So, like, like what you were just saying. And then children to their parents. Like, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, is the very next section um, and talking about basically like relationships between different members of the church. Um, actually, I know you haven't really gotten to the specifics of what John Paul II said, but I was wondering if when you were looking at this, we're in the Dedicate Bible again. Um, and at the beginning of each book in the Dedicate Bible, there is kind of a breakdown of, at least for this, for Ephesians, it has a, a paragraph on the author, which is St. Paul, the date, like what kind of the historical context, the audience, um, which we know that uh, was the church at Ephesus. Um, at, at least they're pretty sure that's what it was. Um, and then the main themes. And I was wondering if you had looked at the main themes that they had in here. I had not. Um, no. So I think that I'm just going to read this because I think that it could give, uh, some good, like a good summary of the context. So, uh, if that's cool with you. Yeah. So it says, the primary theme of Ephesians is the role of the church in God's plan of salvation. The mystery of Christ is the mystery of the church, whose members have become the children of God, the mystical body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. No longer is there a single chosen people, because the church of the new covenant invites all people into the mystical body. The themes of Ephesians are similar to those in St. Paul's other epistles. Gentile believers are full and equal members of the church and sons and daughters of God by adoption. This unity and new life in Christ is a precious gift that all the faithful must celebrate and defend, living harmoniously in a spirit of love and sanctity. The unity of Christ and his church is to be reflected within the household in the love of the husband and wife and the respect of their children. Yep. <clears throat> That's uh, pretty much what John Paul II says as well. In um, looking specifically at audiences uh, 88 and 89, um, that's like exactly what he's talking about. Like kind of, of theology of the body. 
in the, yeah, some theology. About so the if you're following around, following around, if you're following, <laughs> please don't follow us around. Uh, <laughs> that would be creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're following along, audience is 88 and 89, you said? Yeah. So. Yep. Um, in there, and that's where um, kind of exactly what you just said, that following along with that theme of <clears throat> uh, first... <clears throat> well, what's going on? Uh, first, looking at Paul sort of laying out um, God's plan of salvation, and then drawing that together into, um, you know, uh, kind of more of the broader like community in our you know different relationships. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to add to that. No. So, what does this have to do with theology of the body? Good question. <laughs> could, I don't think I could ask a broader yeah. question. Um, I think kind of like generally as... Um, this is like one of the theology of the body yes scriptures yeah like there's matthew 19 right 19? genesis 1 and 2 genesis 1 and 2 tobit yeah um, song of songs song of songs or song of solomon whichever you yeah refer to it and then like ephesians, ephesians five five yeah. true and matthew um, wait, no, Matthew 19 is the one that says, what God has joined in heaven, let no man put us under? Yeah. Or is that Matthew 6? No, Matthew 6 is the Beatitudes. I don't remember. I'm, I don't know. I'm Catholic, so <laughs> I don't know. The numbers are where I get, like, yeah. tripped up. Yeah, definitely. I think Matthew 5 is Sermon on the Mount. I think you're right. So, something like that. Which is also mentioned, so you're good. Yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah. so how? So, kind of, I think where John Paul II spends the most amount of time mm-hmm. is in that part that you first read, um, particularly about husbands and wives. But I think more broadly too that the rest of it covers again that you know different. Um, aspects of sort of community life mm-hmm. uh, which we when we talked about in Genesis uh, about original solitude this kind of ties back to that a little bit that you know, we're not made to be alone uh, so it's kind of tied into that too that you know we're okay if we're not made to be alone then community must be a good thing for us right and um Kind of looking more like looking at what Paul says about you know, how we live in community is important. That it's not just uh, you know do whatever you want, but uh, you know there's a way Unless that unless your will is holy, conform to God. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Then I yeah, mean, I'm not kidding. I guess that's true. <laughs> that would be true. Do whatever you want. That is if your will is conformed to that of God. Impossible to say that 100% of the time so unless you're I would married. avoid that okay fine unless you're married <laughs> sorry and you're not married so 
Not just you, everybody. Yeah, no, that's right. Anybody. Um, so, yeah, like that part, I think, you know, really ties back to that um, kind of idea that you're, we're made for community. We're made to be in relationships with other people. Um, and again, sort of looking at what that looks like and, you know, how we should treat each other. <laughs> Um, but again, like I said, the kind of part that is focused on the most that, uh, even John Paul II kind of spends the most time talking about, uh, is this part in Ephesians 5, talking about, you know, husbands, uh, or wives be submissive to your husbands, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Um. Oh, see, now you changed it. I did. What did I change? You... Inadvertently, subconsciously, I don't know. You did something that I was going to make a point to do, which was to use in my preferred translations. Uh It says, wives be submissive. Yeah, or subordinate is the other word. Subordinate. Well, this says subject. Oh, subject. Okay. Um,. But I prefer ones that say submissive because to me it's an easier jump to the the Greek yeah. that this would have been written in the way it has been explained to me mm-hmm. of submissio. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is that's Latin. It's Latin. That word is. Oh well, then that's a problem. But he would have written this in Greek. I guess. So I wonder if like subordinate or I mean that it could have been close though. I don't know. You could ask Jerome or someone. Yeah. I'll be sure to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um Man, I do really wish that I had my Paul books unpacked. Oh, yeah. Because uh, then I could just be like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Look to the page. But I think that is more or like the more common like commonly accepted like translation as yeah. yeah because it's like more of the um etymology of the word right meaning like under the mission right sub oh, submarine yeah. <laughs> yes under very good submarines are underwater yep that's why they're called submarines, submarines go on a mission underwater anyway if you're <laughs> but like i think the word sorry yeah i'm giving watch now people are gonna remember about submarines are 30 to 50 regular listeners yep are gonna the real ones <laughs> you're the realist <laughs> um next time they're thinking about Either submarines or missions. They'll think about something. They won't know what, but they're thinking about it. So. <laughs> They'll remember that I said submarines <laughs> go on a mission together underwater. Like two submarines <laughs> together. Yeah. Well, okay, I've always understood it to mean, like, to be united. Like, Paul is saying, be united under the same mission. Right. Like, be together. Not like... 
wives let your husbands push you around, abuse you, and force you to do things mm-hmm. that aren't for your sanctification. Right. It's like if a husband and a wife are united under the same mission of their their vocation in the domestic church, then doing what there there is no like pushing around or or yeah it's like an agreement right and plus if you read the whole thing it's like paul kind of tells you what your mission should be right because the husband should love his wife as christ loves the church um and you know so on whatever else he says um (laughs) but um to the point about like being united under the same mission i feel like a lot of people interpret this to say or to mean it's like one of the most controversial slash hated verses Mm -hmm. i feel like yeah um even like amongst catholics who have like a lot of resources to understand it um because it's often interpreted as, like, wives ask your husbands for permission before you do something. And then people don't, I feel like, don't always draw the the connection when it says, like, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And does it say... Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So very often when people quote this, they're like, wives be subject to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ mm-hmm. loved the church. And and they forget like the like Christ loves the church. Yes, he's the head of the church, he's the authority. But he literally died. Yeah. Like, he gave up his his, his whole self. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's just like anything else that, like, Bible verses taken out of context. Right. But this one in particular is, like, so important to get yeah, right. Exactly. Because the implications of it are life change like mm-hmm. it's not just i mean i don't i don't mean to like downplay other parts of the bible or other verses that have been taken out of context yeah um but i mean there are some that could be taken out of con- con- context. context that would be like inconsequential to most people mm-hmm. especially ones that are like you know, uplifting. Mm-hmm. Like very often, I see some that are like pulled out of the Psalms that are meant for comforting. But if you look at the greater context of it, it's like a really depressing situation. Yeah. Uh, but this it's is so <laughs> like if you don't get it right, you've missed a big thing. Yeah. Exactly, and just to say that um, since you're on this topic, John Paul II actually addresses this directly. Oh, cool. Um, in Theology of the Body, Audience 89, mm-hmm. um, 
and I'll just read from what he says here in a couple of paragraphs. Uh, he says, The author of Ephesians is not afraid to accept the concepts that were characteristic of the mentality and customs of that time. He is not afraid of speaking about the submission of the wife to the husband. He is, in addition, not afraid, uh, also in the last verse of the text, uh, of recommending to the wife to have reference toward her husband. In fact, it is certain that when husband and wife are subject to one another in the fear of Christ, everything will find a just balance, that is, such as to correspond to their Christian vocation in the mystery of Christ. Certainly, our contemporary sensibility is different. Mentality and customs are different, and the social position of women in comparison with men is different. Nevertheless, the underlying paranetic principle that we find in Ephesians remains the same and bears the same fruits. Reciprocal submission in the fear of Christ, a submission born on the foundation of Christian pietas, always forms the deep and firm supporting structure of the community of the spouses, in which the true communion of persons is realized. So pretty much, you know, exactly what you're saying that, you know, this scripture to kind of our modern day mind uh, seems like it is uh, oppressive against women uh, and seems like it is, I guess, sort of like forcing uh, sort of like marital familial roles that don't exactly you know just in practicality don't look the same usually today um as they may have you know in paul's time well and we also like back to my rant on yeah like our interpretation of certain words our connotation Mm -hmm. is so It's so influenced by the world that we live in, and it's always changing. I mean, look at, like, when we were kids. I mean, I can think of probably ten words right now that when we were kids had totally different meanings than what they they mean right now. Mm -hmm. Or what the meanings that they've taken on in recent times. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, think of, like, probably, I'd say probably, like, our grandparents' generation were probably even still pretty in line with Paul and his thinking. I don't know. Maybe their parents. It's so hard to say. Especially because, like, the literacy translations and, like... I mean, not, like, I mean, just, like, the cultural norms. Maybe. Yeah, more, pro- well, more in line, pretty similar. Yeah, compared to now. I still feel like generally, and I feel like part of the issue is this has been so widespread for so many years. This misinterpretation of yeah, like especially the role of the husband in this. Yeah, of like that sacrificial role mm-hmm. is very often not fulfilled in like several generations, and the sad thing is like. You know, you very uh, you rarely hear about the good cases. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. the men who are fulfilling the role as Paul and Jesus <laughs> intended it. Yeah. Um. So I maybe I should be careful about saying like very often it was 
not fulfilled. Um, yeah. But evidence seems to suggest that. Yeah, I mean, the feminist <laughs> movement was born out of a legitimate. I, I think at least, and I may get some bad reviews for saying this, but like a legitimate presence of abuse and like, mm-hmm. I think I think power hungry or power happy men not living their side of this mm-hmm. in the appropriate manner. Definitely. Because I think it goes back to um, that part that I had just read from Theology of the Body. Something in out of these two paragraphs I read, the same thing kind of repeated by John Paul II is what he calls this um, reciprocal submission in the fear of Christ between the spouses. And I think that um, Ooh, is, I like that. I think phrase. that's often overlooked. Yeah. Because that part where is it, you know, in the fear of Christ, that's taken from the scripture mm-hmm. itself. And so he goes on about this a, a lot throughout these couple audiences. That that's kind of like the key to the yeah. whole thing working. Is that the part where it says be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just different translation. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I think the word he uses here is the latin pietas piety yeah so like you know right healthy fear of god um that is what is often not quoted by people or Mm -hmm. again or overlooked that that really is the key that the, the husband and the wife are both um they're kind of like respect and love for each other is based in this shared uh you know like fear of christ or piety um that you know their actions are ideally guided by that Mm -hmm. which again kind of puts the whole thing together like why you know how right are they acting the way that paul is saying we should and it kind of hinges on that yeah you know because if you don't have that then and if even one of you doesn't have that right even one of you could be living out your role uh appropriately right as paul explains it but if the other isn't then it's incomplete and it's eventually going to lead to unhappiness or something going wrong right not living up to your potential as a spouse i guess yeah or at least striving for it right i guess that's what i was kind of meaning i guess i should have been more clear like of like outright like disregard yeah Yeah. for sure for sure yeah or i guess just like non-action also is just as bad if not worse i feel like you could classify that as disregard yeah complacency Mm -hmm. lukewarmness yeah you know what jesus says about that Yep. Better if you weren't even born. Just pretty, you know, them's fighting words. <laughs> That's a wise man once said. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the wise man? Um, I don't know. I've only ever heard Bugs Bunny say that, I think, so. <laughs> <laughs> in a, in 
a shocking turn of events. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. So is that, that's it? Uh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> um. You guys done? Yeah, I think they can't answer. Because it's a week from now. I feel like we could talk a little bit more about it. Of um, can we talk about? There's like so much in here. Like there is. What is this like? Twelve verses or something? Thirteen? Yeah, I'm bad at math. I have a theology degree. Well, that's fair. They don't pay me to do numbers. Yeah. Um. Subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, so it says wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. So back to kind of what I was saying about like, if you're both following God's will, Mm -hmm. then it should be no problem to submit to your husband because you'll be on the same page. Right. Yep. Um. It's kind of like, I look at it the same way I look at the fourth commandment. Like, honor your father and mother. Oh my gosh, when we were kids, it was always like, obey your father and mother. Like, yeah. unquestioning allegiance and obedience. Yeah. Is <laughs> what kid. was implied. Yeah. But, um, I, you know this, but mm-hmm. I had... I, I was always, like, torn by that commandment mm. of, like, um, and I had, like, a revelation one day, well, multiple times, but we had, again, like, we have so many broken families within our faith formation where it's, like, single parent or divorce or you know, multiple relationships over the course of years and uh, with our, like, Faith Formation kids' parents. Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of the kids in the program struggle with this, too. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, strikes me, like, to strike a balance between, like, do the people who fall within the fourth commandment for me, you know, they say mother and father, people of authority, Mm -hmm teachers, elders, catechists, whatever, whoever's included in that. Yeah. Um, honor is not synonymous with obedience. Mm-hmm. Right. It, you can respect someone without doing what they tell you to do. Yeah. So like that, it might be a part of it in, yeah. in the right context, but and not necessarily. Right. And the thing that occurred to me is like, if I have somebody who... It has a complete disregard for God's will. Mm-hmm. But I have regard for God's will. Mm-hmm. Then it would be more honorable of me to uh, disobey them and follow God's will mm-hmm. than to oblige whatever their desires are. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing kind of applies here, although 
like depending on the relationship you would want to handle it differently what it says be subject to your husbands as to the lord meaning you are subject to the lord you are also subject to your husband Mm -hmm. wives husbands and wives be doesn't it say be subject to one another yeah be subject to one another out of reverence for christ right so it's like mutual respect this mutual um what did he he used the, the phrase the reciprocal submission reciprocal submission yeah. yeah um but to keep in mind that like god's will has to be at the center and that's kind of what this hinges on and that can be really hard mm-hmm. especially if you have like a mixed faith marriage mm-hmm. um or even I don't know what to refer to this as, but if you have a, a marriage where one person is a Christian and the other person doesn't have a, a religion or a faith yeah. belief, uh, and there are just definitely some in additional conversations, uh, and hopefully there's a mutual, like a respect for you know, the consideration of God's will mm. in that. Right. And I feel like somewhere in, like, canon law, there's something about that, right? For, like, if one uh, person is a Catholic and their spouse is not, like, I forget all the rules about that, but there's something like that where they, they have to, like, obviously not... Um, deter them from their faith. Yeah, so when you're, like, preparing to get married, there are regulations in canon law which require the non... in in order for the people to become validly married. Mm -hmm. The non-Catholic has to assent to uh, the Catholic continuing to practice their faith, uh, and to raise the children, any children, mm-hmm. in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Uh, not to try to discourage them or mm-hmm. persuade them away from it. Right. I'm not sure of the full details because I didn't yeah. study um. canon law thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, um... I also wanted to say that with this whole part about, you know, this reciprocal submission um, and the husband to be like the head uh, as the crisis head of the church um, for the um, wife to be uh, submissive to the husband as um, she is submissive to the Lord (coughs) that, uh, Part of that, too, when you really look at it in the context of theology of the body, is also mm-hmm. um, just sort of, you know, like kind of like we talked about the last couple uh, episodes about manhood and womanhood. These sort of roles, as defined by St. Paul, uh, really do kind of fit into um, the roles of, you know, either... Um, masculinity or femininity that we talked about before 
So again, to make sense of that, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to that first. But um, or after, or after, sure, that's true. Whatever order you want. Yeah, it doesn't really matter too much. But um, that you know, these uh, roles kind of make sense in light of that. I think, and in, in light of um, you know, sort of the broader uh, teaching of theology of the body. That, because I think that's one of the things that people tend to question is, uh, you know, it's like why is the man the head? Like why isn't the man submissive um, to his wife? And like in a sense, you should be according to Paul, like the reciprocal submission. Um, but sort of the you know way that it's worded, it, some people certainly take offense to it or question it, you know, think, why does it, why would it be this way? Like, why does he talk so kind of absolutely about it as if that's how it has to be? Mm -hmm. Um, but again, if we understand sort of the, um, trying to remember the phrase and John Paul II talks about like the, masculine feminine genius like that is what he is like this is how we're made uh and that's why right where the husband kind of falls into that role of the head um more so and the, the woman the wife falls into this role of the one be submissive sort of like uh, the church is to christ and i think that's something that's just what John Paul II is getting at is kind of built into us, right? And that um, is something that's kind of just like accepted by Paul and not, not really talked about. Uh, that's what John Paul II is going to say. Like, this is the way that it is because it's the way we've been created to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think at first glance, I mean, Paul very often comes across harshly initially in, in a lot of his letters. He's very, I mean, I think John Paul's second had it right. Like he is not afraid to uh, tell it like it is. And if you take a minute and remember your temperament (laughs) and how you might initially react to something, um, for me, I, I did, I was one of those people who didn't like this scripture. Uh, and then we ended up having it read at our wedding because <laughs> yeah. I loved it mm-hmm. after I had to take, um, like a biblical studies class. Okay. Uh, with Deacon Militech at mm-hmm. Franciscan. Shout out, one of my favorite classes. Mm. He is like a Pauline scholar. Pauline? Yeah. I don't know how to say that word. Pauline. Yeah. Pauline scholar. Yeah, like Pauline. It's Pauline. <laughs> it's spelled like Pauline. Yeah, it was, I think it's mostly pronounced Pauline. Well, so. it's Pauline scholar. I. <laughs> That's why Midwestern is showing. Uh, <laughs> nice. Anyway, 
because if you break it down kind of concept by concept that he presents that that Paul presents it's really good like the stuff that the husband and the wife are supposed to accomplish together are really good obviously mm-hmm. i mean it's the bible but yeah. um that uh i mean it's all right here like every aspect of marriage i feel like that the sacramental vocation of marriage i mean it says um Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Mm-hmm. Can we talk for a second about mutual sanctification? Sure. This Paul just like said it in one sentence. It was <laughs> right. like, we, I mean, so much of theology of the body, and especially the marriage portion of theology of the body, which, make no mistake, is not even like half of theology of the body. Mm-hmm. So many people think it's like a marriage program, but yeah. Um, but so much of the marriage portion is about like, what is the vocation of marriage? What is the sacrament? When you get married, so many homilies during the masses uh, where people are getting married are talking about like, you're supposed to get each other to heaven, make her holy, make him holy. Um, We always make jokes about like, oh, he's very sanctifying. Right. and I mean, I feel like us included, sometimes more than others, mm-hmm. so many couples either forget about this part or like disregard it. Like your goal is not, I don't want to. I don't want to be blunt or mean, but your goal is not to be happy. Your mm-hmm. your goal is to get this other person that God has gifted to you, that you have committed yourself to in the sacrament of holy matrimony, to heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, can you be happy along the way? Absolutely. Yeah. That's is it, I was going to say that there's even when, you know, you're doing things that making some sort of sacrifice or um, <clears throat> if things aren't easy for you that there's still joy in that there, there can right. be right it's just yeah. it's more about your perspective of like oh i'm doing whatever i'm doing uh for the sake of my spouse my, of my right. family uh or you can look at it as wow this is really an inconvenience to me <laughs> yeah kinda, you know. and i again i don't want to sound preachy because we are guilty of this very often very often. But, I mean, Paul, it's not a new, I mean, John Paul II didn't come up with it. Nope. And no one, like, this is ancient. Right. I, I think this is, the, John Paul II is like 
not necessarily the first person, but um, definitely in recent times, the most um, commonly used kind of definition, like someone actually going through this text and saying, like, hang on a minute, like, this is what it really is saying. Um, But, like, even still, I mean, he uses pretty words, but Paul couldn't have been more clear about, like, what is going on here. Like, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Mm -hmm. That she might be holy and without blemish. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the purpose of the church? Why did Christ establish the church? Why did Christ die for the church? For her sanctification. For her ability to enter through the gates of heaven. Each member of the body to be able to be in full union with Christ. And that is the the mission under which the couple should be united is to enter heaven together in full union with each other and with God. Hmm. And just like we who are members of the church, this is not an easy road. Mm-hmm. This is there is much joy. Obviously, we celebrate. We have community. We have and like there are there are times when it is difficult, and there are times when it is good. Um, but the church exists for our sanctification. We commit to it through the sacrament of baptism. Um, and. Like, you know, we, it's, it's there for us to grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like really like, um, John Paul's like, it's kind of like this perfect analogy of yeah. what marriage is. And, Again, going bring it into theology of the body. It's like it is this visible sign of um, right, God's love for us. Yeah. Um, in that, yeah, again, like you said, it's not uh, easy because again, we look to the example that Paul sets out that it's to um, you know for a husband to love your wife as Christ loves the church and mm-hmm. like how. Um, yeah, not to like make it, I don't know, it feels like this maybe it sounds kind of like light or, um, I don't know what the right word is, but, uh, that it really is, uh, like a very deep thing that he's saying there that may not seem like it at mm-hmm. first glance, but, um, <clears throat> understanding how Christ loves the church and how um, kind of deep that love really goes. Uh, it's something that, you know, as um, a husband being called to that, uh, it's, I mean, it's impossible to even begin to try to live up to that. Uh, but, right, the goal is, you know, that we're striving for that. And you said that before, too, that, um, you know, as long as we are doing our best to kind of keep our eyes on this goal and just just like you know the 
goal of the church is to help us all to get to heaven. Um, It's that same goal that we're working toward in marriage, but just for, you know, our spouse um, in particular. Uh, And to kind of be that sign that, you know, Paul is pointing out that you should be of of Christ's love for the church. And again, how deep that really goes uh, and to kind of take that on and embrace it mm-hmm. um, especially kind of in sort of like day-to-day life of right. things that aren't always easy to do like you know you don't want to whatever like be the one who gets up in the middle of the night to like put a crying child back to bed and, or be the one who like takes the trash out or um, you know, whatever, just these like little things, these daily things are really where this is lived out the most or has the most potential yeah. to be lived out. Um, I, I like that you're kind of bringing that up now because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I read this verse in one of my classes and it was like so early in the school year that I read this. I was like, what am I doing? It's like, I'm not like part of the curriculum. Yes. But I can do whatever I want because I'm in charge. It's true. Um, well, like the scriptural, not like there was no scriptural foundation. And so if we jumped right into yeah. all the concepts, th- th- I mean, they were lost. And so yeah. I read this verse. <laughs> I had a girl raise her hand and said, I said, yeah. She goes, I don't like this verse. <laughs> I was like, wow. okay. And I assumed it was going to be like kind of your standard feminist based answer. Mm-hmm. Um, like your distorted feminism. Right. I want to make a distinction. I don't mean like... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> John Paul II's feminism. feminism. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that, surprisingly. Mm. I guess, here's the thing. I shouldn't have assumed. And as soon as she said the issue that she had with it, I was like, that makes sense. Okay. She said, I don't like this verse because it makes it sound like if the man isn't following Christ or there like she said if the man isn't there meaning like participating in the faith under the same mission then the woman can't be holy or Mm -hmm. like the wife Mm -hmm. can't be holy or she won't be able to be holy yeah and i was like oh that's a really interesting thing so to what you were saying i like that saint paul says like Basically, like, you're supposed to make each other holy. Like, the whole, like, present the church to himself in splendor. Mm -hmm. And then immediately jumps to personal responsibility. Yeah. Like, so fast. Next sentence. Even so, husbands should love their wives as as their own bodies. And at first glance, it might seem like he's still talking about, like, you love your body, right? So, like, this is how you should treat your wife. The way I read that is, like, everything I just said, Mm -hmm. 
is how you should treat your wife, but also how you should treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, then get it right. Right. <laughs> um, and like he goes on to say, he who loves his wife loves himself for no man hates ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So to me, like what you were saying of like, sometimes we don't want to do things and we do them. Mm-hmm. And it's like to, to my students point of like, get yourself right. Mm-hmm. Get your, don't rely wholly on the other person to yes they're supposed to do that but like if you're not going to cooperate in that and you're not going to like get yourself right with god and in relationship with him then you're failing yeah and it definitely comes down to you know do you know what is right yeah and are you choosing not to do it because for whatever reason you know your spouse doesn't um make it easy for you to do it or something you know what I mean or something like that yeah like you know again just kind of a probably somewhat common example I'd imagine is you know a a woman who um is Catholic wants to you know practice her faith um but her husband is not as eager to do so um you know like does that stop her from you know yeah or even like my example earlier of like having a non-catholic or non yeah like a a husband of no faith or maybe even no belief Mm -hmm. um yeah there's there is the personal responsibility there of like you still try you still get up and you try every day and like i will be the first to confirm i guess that it is go it's going to be harder for that person yeah than if they were married to someone who is under the same mission but what i also think and this is pure speculation on my part theological speculation that if that person perseveres in their relationship with God in their steadfast faith then i i would be inclined to believe that they are more not i don't want to say more likely but more expediently more expediently reach mm-hmm. heaven yeah because they they've done it with no help in a vocation where the vocation is to literally have mutual help. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that's probably true. That, um, you know, kind of persevering in your faith through, um, yeah, in a way, it really is sort of adversity of, you know, again, like you're saying, someone who's uh, supposed to be helping you is actually hindering you from, yeah. um, you know, what you have set as your goal um so i would i would agree that's probably and this is not not to diss on non-catholic spouses right yeah 
it's just like looking at it from a strictly like technical vocational aspect of mm-hmm. like what do we believe marriage to be and the goal of it um mm-hmm. as indicated to us by jesus saint paul john paul too and more yeah because there's also there's like so many distinctions and like how that works because you could have i think like probably one of the worst scenarios would be um a husband and wife who uh or both you know baptized catholics who've been married in the church mm-hmm. and over time you know one decides that they don't really want to practice their faith fully yeah and so and so they're really truly like hindering the other person you know even you know they might end up again just hypothetically um might end up you know um i want to say like judging but like you know they could start like questioning their spouse like i can't believe you still you know want to go to mass every sunday like why what's even the point um you know like that kind of hindrance whereas if you have uh, like a Catholic married to a non-Catholic, you know, and then it could almost be better in some cases where yeah. the non-Catholic spouse like is still supportive. Kind of like know what you're getting into a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's like there's uh, hundreds or even yeah. thousands of ways that these like various situations could take place and or could play out. And it's not to say that if you're in like a mutual catholic marriage that it's not difficult either i mean um i love there's this funeral reading from the book of wisdom Mm -hmm. that one of the lines is so that i i don't know the verses obviously but (laughs) it's it starts out like either the first or second line is like the souls of the just are in the hands of god Mm-hmm. Um, and but later in the reading it says, like gold in the furnace, he proved them. Mm-hmm. And whatever your furnace is, <laughs> it, it's going to prove you. Right. If you if you are steadfast, if you remain faithful, like gold in a furnace, he proved them. I mean, gold in a furnace is like. I mean, gold doesn't have feelings, but it's hot. It's painful. It bends you. It it breaks yeah. you. It shapes you. Burning away all the impurities. Yeah. That kind of right. Exactly. Thing. So it's so hard for everyone. It's just like a different kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and some people don't have to carry their cross in their marriage. Some people have a totally different maybe they have like a holy mutual submissio submarine mission marriage (laughs) yeah submarine marriage just sounds like a really bad thing submarine marriage yeah but they carry their cross somewhere else yeah and their spouse carries them through it and that's the point like yeah I think that's why Paul is like kind of generic or vague. I don't want to say vague. He's pretty like, yeah, but he's generic, you know, it's like 
what I'm saying is universal. Right. Um, uh, and obviously he knows he's talking to a variety of situations too because he's talking to an entire church at Ephesus. Mm. Um, yeah. True. One thing about this that kind of struck me was how people have a we talk about like we're made in the image and likeness of God our bodies are a gift to us our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit um how Paul kind of alludes to this like not only are you supposed to take care of your person like your spiritual relationships and your personal sanctification but also he's like love your wife as you love your own body and you nourish it and cherish it. And so I feel like, like this is so packed with like, you should take care of your body. You should be healthy for this other person. Yeah. Something that he talks about elsewhere too. Where? When he talks about the, um, forget where it is. Maybe maybe I'm mixing things up, but I believe he talks about the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, he. You know. I think that's in Romans. Okay. I think but you're right. Way, I think that's in Romans. Yeah, like again, but there is a just in general, like on your own as an individual person, you should be taking care of yourself as, like you said, taking care of the gift of your body of yourself that you've been given. Yeah. Um, but it gets to this kind of more weight to it when you're yeah. talking about in relation to um, your spouse like that you have to take care of yourself so you can help this other person too right you know like you have to help yourself before you can help someone else yeah for no man hates his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it right and that that part too is also kind of it's like it's talking about how um because it even, again, goes into it, uh, how a husband and wife become one flesh. That's like, if, if the husband and the wife are one flesh, and the husband is like the head of the body, then it's like, he's got, like, he has this responsibility of taking care of the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like, as if it's his own, because it in marriage, it is. It is one body. You know, it's not like, oh, I have this uh, other person that I guess I have to take care of now. But it's like, no, like this is really, I'm taking care of you as if I'm taking care of myself. Right. Um, so the next part says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So this is where he's quoting Genesis 2? Yeah, I think it's 2. It might might be in 3. Oh, I think you're right. It is in 3. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we did kind of already... You kind of mentioned this a little bit. I don't know if you wanted to say anything else, though. Um... Uh, 
not really, because I just I think we've kind of we talked about this like phrase and everything so much. Yeah, we talked about spousal meaning of the body. So if you haven't listened to that one, yep, go there. Mm-hmm. Go to Genesis episodes, then go to spousal meaning of the body. Yeah, or vice versa, whatever you want. Follow God's will. Yep, that's it. Um, this is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see, let the wife see that she respects her husband. I feel like he's just like wrapping it up in a nice, mm-hmm. nice little bow there. Yeah, I like that he puts that piece on it. Like this is a great mystery. Yeah, like don't. It's like don't. Don't, expect to understand this. Don't try, don't try to fully understand it. Mm. Um, it's funny, like, earlier you were like, it's like an analogy. Uh, and I thought of how the, the like, world-famous saying in theology classes and, like, theology education, especially Catholic theology, is always every analogy isn't perfect or all analogies are lacking Mm -hmm. Uh, but I feel like this one isn't no it is still it absolutely is because it's like if marriage is this analogy of um, Christ's love for the church a husband's love for his wife can never be the same as Christ's love for the church so that's what that's where it falls short. I mean, it's probably like like the closest, the closest you can yeah. possibly get yeah. because like I'm not saying like lived it's perfect, but yeah, to, yeah, it can't I mean, yeah. it can't ever match that. But mm-hmm. like if it's lived as intended, it would be the next best thing. Right, but we recognize that, that it's not possible for anybody. That's fair, but I do feel like most analogies fall like way short. Yeah, most, I think, do more than this. Um, but, yeah, it's still not, I, I guess it's just, that's like the nature of an analogy. That it's like, this is something that is uh, like something else, similar to something else. Yeah. But yeah, All right. it's not well, the same. I guess I'll... Yeah, I, I think it's a good point, though. It's, it probably is about as close as an analogy can get to the real thing. Yeah. yeah especially if, if when it's lived out properly. properly. Yeah. So should we rate each other on a scale of 1 to Ephesians 5? <laughs> On how well we're living out the marriage vocation and mutual sanctification. I feel like that would be I'm just contrary kidding. I don't want to, to do the that. scripture. <laughs> <laughs> so no. It was a joke. Okay. Ha ha. Ha ha. Anything else from mm. Johannes Paulus Dose? Wow, so many languages. Um, I mean, how many languages? At least three. 
Okay. I don't know. Two or three. I've heard it both ways. Uh, but, I mean, there, there's... I mean, he talks about this for a long time. definitely more. It's going to come up again. Yeah, and that's we'll t- I think we'll talk more about it in other... In other things. episodes. So, things. Whatever they are. The stuff with the audio. Stuff where the people the talk stuff with on the, the voices. things. <laughs> they have no s- idea what they're doing. <laughs> we don't. We just come here to talk to each other, mostly. Yeah. Because otherwise we wouldn't. Somebody posted on a group that I was in. Like, there are several people. I mean, like, how do you, like, kind of, you know, you get married and you're like, new relationships, dating, marriage. There's like always something exciting happening and you have so much time for each other. It's like, okay, you have kids, you get four, five, six, ten years into marriage. It's like, how do you keep up the, like, emotional intimacy? And I was like, we literally had to start a podcast to commit to talking to each other about (laughs) (laughs) non-administrative tasks. Yeah. Once a week. And, you know, I was like... It wasn't just that. I mean, that was the only reason we started the podcast, but mm-hmm. it was, I feel like, a pretty big thing. Like, this will be good for us, and we're talking about good stuff that's hopefully will help us become holy. Yeah. So. Yep. That's the idea. If you're wondering how you can live Ephesians 5, we highly recommend starting a podcast. Or you just... Talk, talk to each to other. Each other. S- set aside a time and place to I feel do like it. You and I are not naturally like heavy conversationalists. Yeah, no. So that's we like to end up. That's what if we don't do this, what we end up doing is just like, like logistical. Z- yeah, but even more so, just like zoning in on something else. That we're doing. Yeah. Or interested in or whatever. And then we don't talk to each other. Right. So. So. Yeah. Here we are. We hope you like our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should share the shrimp recipe that you... <laughs> did you follow a recipe? What did you, you do? Vaguely. Oh. It's a... Uh, you take some shrimp, which I do the good old uh, thaw in the sink method, throw it straight out of the freezer. You buy tail off. Yep, devined. Devined, peeled. peeled, tail off. Tail off, yep. Just get get them where they're all done. Don't, yeah. why do Frozen any of the work yourself? bag from Costco, frozen. Yeah, like why do they even sell it? Are they jumbo Not shrimp? Like, I don't think so. No. They're like, they're like medium size. Just shrimp. They're not popcorn size. No, not really. Because what a waste. Yeah, but these, you just take them out, you mix up some flour, salt, pepper. It called for Cajun seasoning. 
Do we not? We don't have that, so I just use Old Bay seasoning, which is always good with seafood. I think it would have been better with Cajun, though. Like more cake. Right. I think so, too. We used Um, sauces, though, but I'll let you finish before we talk about that. Sure. Um, And then. Did you you mix egg into that? Well, here, what what I did, and it's pretty normal, there's a couple ways you can do it, but um, took some of the this like seasoned flour and put it in a Ziploc like a gallon mm-hmm. put all the shrimp in mix it up you know mm-hmm. shake it up and then you um put it in, you have like an egg mm-hmm. uh, take an egg and some milk and it, normally what it called for was the Cajun seasoning I just did Old Bay yeah. Um, mix that all up, and then you put the um, shrimp in that, like wash it, whatever you, whatever they call it, in that, and then you dredge it in more flour, and then you deep fry it. Deep fry it. We have a deep fryer basket thing. Yeah. It's awesome. It is. I love that. Way better than the air fryer. Yeah. And there's nothing like some good old-fashioned grease, am I right? Exactly. Then we went to Aldi. Well, we didn't go to Aldi right then. But mm. every time I go to Aldi, I look for the Asian fuchsia sauces. Yeah. Because they always have different ones. Mm-hmm. So we had honey sesame. And what were you eating? It was really spicy. Um, the Thai chili. Thai chili. Sauce. sauce, yeah. Dipping, you get like shrimp cocktail sauce, but we're more That's flavorful true. than that. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, we didn't have any. Well, just, yeah. You also just use like the tomato sauce, something like that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's different. It's fried. I it's don't know. pretty different. Okay. I don't know. <clears throat> Tell us what you think. If you have a favorite shrimp sauce. Yeah. That we should try because we have a lot of leftover yeah, shrimp, we except we hopefully won't buy next I week. I saw a lot of um, the recipes I was looking at. They had some kind of like, uh, like I don't know, it wasn't like ranch. It was like garlic something sauce. Mm. It was like, like a garlic cream Truffle sauce garlic. or something. I was like, that seems weird. But that I, does seem weird. I want something like tangy, like with a little kick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Should this be bonus content? This went on longer than I thought. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Follow us for more recipes. (laughs) Dredge something in flour and eggs, throw it in the deep fryer. Yep. It's easy. It's, yeah. Like, I literally, like, got off work. You made that whole batch in like yeah like what 20 minutes yeah and the longest part was thawing the shrimp and then yeah just heat up the oil which if we had had any foresight at all we would have started thawing it no before you got off work but just do it like i did it anyways because it only takes like 10 15 minutes to thaw oh um under like the cold water and then uh, you just heat up the oil while that's going on why and you also mix up the flour and the egg, and then it's ready to go, and then you just boom, bam, bop, 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 bada bing, bop, 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 pow. Oh, 
Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you pop like open a can of nice room temperature Dr. Pepper. Mm. Yep. It's the perfect compliment. Because <laughs> your fridge is tiny and there's no room for, Anything. for the soda dispenser that, that yeah. you bought. Yep. Soda dispenser, the can holder, can holder. the box. Whatever. The it's thing where you put the stuff. Now this has to be bonus content because it just like doubled in length. It did. <laughs> Anyways. Well. We're we'll... having shepherd's pie tomorrow. Oh, I forgot. Yes. I totally forgot about that. We're going to see fire trucks tomorrow. Yes. By the time you guys listen trucks. to this episode, we're going to trucks, trucks, trucks. <laughs> I don't actually know what it's called. Saturday. It's Saturday, called Saturday. touch a truck. Yeah. They said they're going to have fire trucks, ambulance, police, I think. police trash trucks, trash which trucks. I was like, eh, maybe we, they'll probably wash it before they bring it though, right? They'll have a clean one, I bet. That would be cool. Yeah. Caspian is going to lose his mind. Yeah. Then we're going to the restaurant with the playground. Yes, as Benny calls it. So... Just her favorite restaurant. Another shout. Another shout out to the Bridge of Indian Trail. Yep. So good place. All right. Well, got some BC bonus content. Bonus content. All right. Well, All right. Well, good night, good everyone. Night, everyone. Good. Good day. Day. Good. Good. Morrow. Morrow. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> Why are you ah. trying to do this? <laughs>